Welcome to the Wire to Wire podcast. As always, it's me, your host Yusuf. Now this episode is a special one. Not only is it a two-part series, but I'm joined by a very special guest, Justin Knight. Now Justin is a three-time NCAA champion, and he is a 2021 Olympian representing Team Canada, and he is also a Canadian record holder in running. In this two-part series, we'll be discussing his upbringing, health and wellness, finances, and life in general. So this is episode one, and episode two will be coming next Friday. Without further ado, let's just get right to it. Welcome to the Wire to Wire podcast, Justin. You know, it's great to have you on, and I appreciate you joining me, bro. Thanks for having me. So it's always great to have a conversation with you. As I said before, like we're good friends. So, you know, this is going to yeah. be nice just to catch up. Oh, definitely. You know, let's kind of kick things off. Just tell me and the audience your story. What did those early years look like for you growing up? And how did you get started in running? Oh, man. I'll try not to take you too early. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, as as you know, you and you probably knew me from before I was even a runner too, but I was a big fan of basketball. Like basketball is my true love from the very beginning. I grew up just in a basketball uh, household where my, my daddy was a well-respected basketball player uh, when he was in high school. Played a little bit in college for from when I was six years old, five years old. Uh, me and my brother grew up playing basketball. Like that's what we love to do. I grew up with kids like Andrew Wiggins. Lived in my neighborhood at one point in time, and uh, a couple of other really. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> Andrew was crazy, man. But uh, <laughs> it was just weird because like he was like the first one to dunk at such a young mm-hmm. age, and it just it looked unreal. But <laughs> that's a story for another day. But. Uh, <laughs> From there, like I went to, I ended up get, going to high school at uh, St. Michael's College School or just St. Mike's, not on scholarship or anything, just got into the school based off of academics. Both me and my brother went there actually. And I played basketball, I played volleyball on that at the school. Not gonna lie, like grades, I think school in general, like education, it wasn't something that came easy to me, at least in high school. In elementary school, it was a breeze, but in high school, it was very challenging. I just got like average marks, like across the board. It didn't matter what it was. Eventually, how I got into running was, <laughs> believe it or not, I actually had like a 68 in gym class, which is okay. absurd. And um, <laughs> <laughs> and I remember uh, I was asking the teacher, his name is Mr. Chitto. I was like, sir, like, how could I have a 68 in gym class? Like, you know, my football team's doing well. I'm the quarterback, you know, bas- in the basketball unit, I killed it badminton i was you know pretty decent the only thing i wasn't really good at was like the ice skating unit or like hockey mm-hmm. and um okay he told me he's like well you know justin you're you're, you're a multi-sport athlete here at the school and i know how talented you are and based off or athletic i guess you can say you are and based off of your effort i felt like you're giving us a, a, the effort that would get you like a 68 percent in gym class So he he felt like I wasn't really trying hard. And then, you know, I told him like, you know, coach, this is unacceptable. Uh, Like (laughs) I can't go back to my parents with this grade. Like I let me know what I can do so that I can improve my grade. And um, the last unit yet left was um, actually running. We had to do like an annual 5k for the grade 10 students. 
And um, from there, uh, I made sure that I was at the front of every class. Uh, I made sure like I was showing him like, Hey, I'm trying, I'm not like just jogging out here. And I yeah, breaking the school's grade 10, 5k record or something like that. And um, yeah. from there, like the whole track season was pretty much done. They only had like the championships left. And then they asked me to join mm-hmm. the team and my, it took my mom some convincing, but she let me. And I yeah. guess from there, that's when it, when it all just started. And what was the moment for you when you realized that you could do this on a professional level? Man, I think that moment probably came to me in college, actually. Okay. It's weird because in high school, I remember I didn't even think I was going to get a scholarship in, for the NCAA. Like I was planning on going to like, you know, York University or, you know, UFT yeah. or Ryerson or Mac or, you know, one of those schools. And after grade 11... Um, I think I placed, I think I placed either fifth or sixth at OFSA. And, um, okay. all the kids that placed in front of me were older than me and they were going to schools like Wisconsin and, uh, Iona, Michigan. Yeah, I think that that's pretty much all of them. And then, um, okay. yeah. And then like from there, like all these letters started coming in and like, I was getting letters from like Oregon, from Wisconsin as well. Um, you name it, like. Syracuse, of course, pretty much any school. Ohio State actually came to like my house for a barbecue that summer. That's where I was like, oh man, cool, I can get a scholarship. And then once I got there, it was almost pretty surreal. I was just like, oh man, I'm on an American team. Like, this is pretty cool. To finish it off, basically, to answer the question that you asked, like um, my sophomore year, I got fourth at NCAAs. And at that moment, I realized, like, hey, I'm here to stay. And I'm not going anywhere. And this is like just the beginning of something really special. Yeah. You ended up going to Syracuse. You're a proud Orangeman alumni. And I actually like Syracuse. Carmelo Anthony, he's one of my favorite athletes. You know, he went there and he won the national championship in 2003. I think they named the, they named the stadium or a gym after Syracuse too. Play a lot of basketball in there. Trust me. (laughs) Yeah. So what was it about Syracuse that made you choose them? And what does it mean to you to be a part of that school's history? The whole recruiting process was very tough. You know, you have all these coaches, uh, all these schools that want you and convincing you why, you know, to go to their school and why it's the best fit for you. It was very hard. It was a hard decision for me because I met so many great people, so many great coaches um, and athletes. And at the end of the day, like what kind of pushed me more towards Syracuse was just, I felt there was a, there was a couple of things actually, and I'll touch on each point. Um, One, you know, Syracuse was close enough and far enough from home for me where, you know, I'm a huge family man. I love every family member I have, my brother, my, my dad, my mom. And uh, I wanted to attend a school where, you know, I'm far enough so I can be independent, but at the same time, like if I needed my family, that, you know, I can kind of go home whenever I wanted to. And Syracuse fit that because it's only four hours away. The other thing that, you know, kind of led me towards choosing Syracuse was that, you know, I come from a family where education is very valued. And um, Mm -hmm. the fact that Syracuse University is respected and well-known on both sides of the border played a huge role on where I was going to commit to just because at that point in my life, being a, you know, great, a senior in high school, grade 12, 
I didn't know if I was going to stay in America or if I was going to come back to Canada. But at the end of the day, I knew that I needed a degree that was going to be respected on both sides of the border. So yeah. uh, that was that was another reason. And then I think at the end of the day, like in terms of athletics, the coaches and my teammates, they, they kind of made it feel like a second home for me where um, yeah. the coaches, they, they made it, they seemed like they cared for me um, more than just like an athlete. So like they wanted to see me succeed in all areas of life and see me grow. So yeah. that meant a lot to me. My teammates, I found them to be like a great support system for me. We clicked immediately. And um, yeah, the last thing too, like Syracuse, we didn't really have the rich running history that like a lot of these other schools that were talking to me had, or, or at least recently. And, um, mm-hmm. what happened there, like I was looking at basically like how the program has developed since the head coaches got there. And since he got there, like every year, like we went from like not making NCAAs to like qualifying to, for regionals to placing 20th at NCAAs to 15th to 10th. And, um, yeah. what that kind of showed me is like with the average recruits that he was getting, that he was able to turn that program into a respectable, uh, team. And yeah. And from there, I just wondered like, you know, if he got his five-star recruit, um, being me, I wonder what he can do with my talent. And, uh, he proved yeah. me right. I had a lot of faith in him. I, that's all I can say. Yeah. But well, that's, I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, you're a two-time NCAA champion. Yeah. Right? So uh, technically three, actually. So I was, <laughs> okay. I was, ex- explain ex- explain the technical so part. So I'm a two-time <laughs> individual NCAA champion. So I was the first person to cross the line. Okay. And then in okay cross country, our team won uh, back in 2015, which was very special. And people nice. always ask me, they're like, "Oh, what's like your most memorable moment in college?" and People are always surprised that I don't pick like one of my individual championships, but um, the way I see it is like when you're able to celebrate uh, anything with a group of people, especially like a group of people that you worked hard and like you struggled with and everything and all Mm -hmm. those hardworking hours that we put into running and you're able to like celebrate that at the end of the season. That was like so heartwarming. It, it, It beats celebrating anything as an individual to me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can I can imagine because when you're in school, you're not really a professional yet, right? No. So it's like you're with people who are in the same boat as you. You guys are competing. To you guys are competing, you know, together. You guys yeah. all have this dream and this goal that you want to accomplish. Yeah. So when you accomplish it together in college, it doesn't. It's not like professionals where it's a, there's a business side of exactly. things. Exactly. You don't have to worry. With about this is just people's contract yeah. and everything. You know what I mean? Exactly. This is just about chasing that goal, chasing that dream, and doing it together. Exactly. So it really tightens that camaraderie, bro. So I I, I get where you're coming from. Yeah. But in your answer, you you know you mentioned your family, the importance that they play, right? Yeah. In your everyday life, mm-hmm. so. I know your brother personally. You know, he's a great guy. He's incredibly smart. Yeah. <laughs> shout out yeah, to him. Shout out to Jared. <laughs> and I know you come from a good, hardworking family. So when you think about your life and everything you've accomplished so far, you know, what role would you say your family, what would you say they play in that success? You know, my family, I think I owe all my success to them to just to be brutally honest. Like, and there's no secret in yeah. that. Like, I feel like a lot of people that know me at the end of the day, like, know that I'm very thankful. Even you said it, like, for my family. 
my mom, my dad, my brother have done everything for me just in terms of making sure that I stay on the right track and that mm-hmm. um, I make the best decision that will benefit myself in the present and the future. In terms of like when I was getting recruited for s- school and college and stuff, you know, that was my mom and my dad that they came with me on every visit. A lot of kids, they kind of exclude their parents. Like, <laughs> I don't know if they just want to have like the greatest recruiting visit ever. You know? <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? And just kind of do their thing. But, you know, my parents played a, they played a huge part in my recruiting trips, but like they weren't overwhelming. Like they were there mm-hmm. in the background, just looking out for the stuff that I wasn't looking out for. Like they were kind of in the background and stuff, just like taking notes of the stuff that like I might not notice. Mm-hmm. St- so I can enjoy myself and like, see if I like the team and everything. Yeah. And just in life in general, like they've, they've helped me through so much stuff. Um, you know, nobody's perfect. So like my parents, like they've done, done a lot of stuff to be successful, but then they've also made some mistakes too. And, um, I'm the type of person where I don't, I, I don't, I'm not too prideful. Like I don't want to experience everything on my own and like make my own mistakes. So like, yeah, if I know I can get advice from somebody, I'll always reach out to that person to see like if I can change something so that I don't make the same mistakes they did. And I feel like my parents play like a crucial role in that in terms of my brother, you know, that guy's my best friend. He, he's like, you know, he's like my guardian angel, literally. (laughs) It's like, yeah. When I went to school, like he always made sure nobody messed around with me. Like he was literally like kind of like my muscle. And um, yeah. I had like a pretty easy adjustment to high school just because, you know, everybody knew Jared was my brother and he was a respectable guy and they, they didn't mess around yeah. with me. So I'm just always thankful for Jared. He showed me uh, patience and uh, mm-hmm. kind of just like always showing me like right from wrong and stuff like that. So. Yeah, I, I got a lot yeah. of love for my brother and my my mom and my dad. Yeah. That sounds like it. It's a it's a blessing, bro. It's truly a blessing. Like, truly a blessing. So let's fast forward to now. You're a professional runner. What does the grind and the everyday life entail? <laughs> so like the so I'm I'm th- I'm talking more like the day-to-day aspect. Yeah. So, you know, the training, the recovery, yeah. and the work that goes on behind the scenes for you to be at your best when you're out there yeah. performing. I'm not going to lie. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like my life was a little bit more interesting in college, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> everyone's was, bro. yeah, for real. But <laughs> you know, my, my life is pretty calm. I'm not going to lie. Like, especially during COVID times, like I'm more and more like to myself personal. Like I don't really do much from the day to day standpoint. Like I wake up at like seven o'clock, seven fifteen every morning, make mm-hmm. sure I'm prepared for practice at, uh, at nine o'clock and being prepared, you know, I, I make sure I eat, I make sure like, you know, I do all my stuff in the morning, you know, roll out. I do a little bit of stretching, um, mm-hmm. head to practice at nine, do my workout. Then after that, I'll do like a core session, which is just, you know, core exercises. I don't lift weights or anything. Yeah. And then once a week on Wednesdays. So, you know, Wednesdays are my favorite days just cause I get a massage every Wednesday. which i love massages man there's they're just they're great i i highly recommend you need yeah no you need you need those bro yeah those are a must yeah and um i try to see a physio like honestly um you know usually every every other week or every three weeks i'm the type of person where it's like if it's not broken don't fix it but at the same time 
I'll do a lot of stuff to make sure that I don't get injured. So I'll see a physio with, I'll have nothing wrong with me, but I'll just go in just to get checked up on and make sure everything's moving properly. And yeah. Um, yeah and then usually I practice twice a day. So at five o'clock, you know, I'll just go out for a run for 20 minutes, come back. And then, you know, the rest of the day is just to make sure the house is clean, you know, maybe play some yeah. with my brother, read a little bit. Um, yeah. yeah, that's just my day. That's, that's, that's my, at least during COVID, that's my schedule. Yeah. Yeah. For your line of work, like the focus is mostly speed and quickness. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Like other runners actually do lift weights, but my program yeah. at Syracuse, cause I have the same coach. I have the same coach that I did in college and, uh, okay. we, we never did weights. So I never got to explore that. Yeah. The main focus of our workouts is like, we do a lot of hill repeats. We do a lot of speed stuff on the track. What we will do, the endurance aspect would be called like tempo workouts. And then like, sometimes we'll do like 800s, 200s, uh, 600s on the track and stuff like that, of that nature. Yeah. Um, and then like the core aspect of it is just like to make sure that like we keep our body toned. Um, we keep like not a healthy figure, but like just to make sure that like we don't, you know, we maintain our fitness level, I guess you can say. And like our muscles that support us when we're running are strong. So like, we'll do like those exercises on the side, but like the main focus of our training is like definitely through um, those hill repeats in those track sessions. <laughs> sounds sounds intensive, bro. Dude, there's sometimes like, yeah. it's not like basketball. Like that's the crazy thing where the one thing I dislike about track is like, Mm-hmm. It's not like basketball or soccer or hockey where, you know, you're bored. It's 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. You can just go into your your gym or like just put up shots or something like that. Like, yeah, I am like I run when it's time to practice. And then after that, like if I'm bored and I even if I want to go run, I won't run because it mm-hmm. might mess up your training down the line. So, yeah, I can't do my sport for fun, essentially. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's crazy. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> and we'll we'll plug in miles so, too. Like I do. Um, sorry, I use miles just because like I train in the states, but like I'll do like makes sense. Seventy five. Some the highest I've gone is like eighty miles a week. So okay, you get, you get some good training in. Like it, it's yeah, yeah, it's pretty good sometimes. And you know, because you're mentioning that, right? Yeah with the training and the amount of miles you're running per week. Like what adjustments did you have to make, you know, from either a mental or physical standpoint to be able to make that adjustment to being a professional? The one thing about me is like, I always worked as if I didn't know. (laughs) It sounds bad, but like I would work as if like after my years of college, like I didn't know where my next meal was coming from. Um, Yeah. I mean, being a professional, I'm not going to lie. Like when I first became a pro, I, I didn't have a good showing at all. Like, to be honest, my first race as a pro, I got dead last and Mm, ran really. Yeah. And ran slower than like I did in college, like my freshman year of college. So like I got worked on like a pretty uh, world stage where like the, the race was being broadcasted on television. Mm -hmm. The reason for that was because Mentally, I wasn't there. Uh, physically, I was overweight. I was 20 pounds heavier than I ever was. 
in my life, which it, it, <laughs> it felt like I was running with weights in my hands just to put that in perspective. Yeah. But, um, wow. Yeah. It was very difficult just to adjust to like the pro life, uh, as a runner, it's a lot more individual. Um, you have a lot more res- responsibilities that you own rather than like when I was in college, mm-hmm. I always had people res- reminding me I had like a whole training room staff, like catering to me all the time. Um, and like a huge support system where it's like in call it, sorry, as a pro, um, it's very different. Like you have to be the one that says, Hey, I need to get treatment. Let me schedule that. Or like, Hey, I, you should be doing your core. Like, even though like you guys didn't meet up as a team today, like you got to make sure that you still do your core exercises and stuff. And, um, mm-hmm. a lot of other stuff, like some, some stuff that I don't even want to talk about, but, um, mentally it took a toll on me. And then I ended up, you know, not doing the stuff that I should have been doing to make sure that I was a, mm-hmm. a great runner. And, um, yeah, from that race, that was the moment that I realized, like, you're not a loser. Like, this is not you. Justin Knight has mm-hmm. never been the person to get dead last in a race and run at the time mm-hmm. that I ran. And, um, mm-hmm. from that moment, like a switch went off in my head where I just knew I had to get down to business. Um, mm-hmm. I knew I had to figure out what I was doing in college to make myself successful and make those adjustments. And I knew yeah. I had to hold myself accountable. And, uh, I got back to that mental mind frame of like, you don't know where your next meal yeah. is coming from. Like you got to work like this is like your last chance. And, uh, I was fortunate enough to bounce back and then still place like top 10 in the world, uh, that year. Yeah. You can be in, and I've seen it with a lot of my friends that, you know, that I compete against some people that I know personally and stuff like that. And, um, some of them are in like the best shape of their life, but mentally they're checking out like they're, that you can throw yourself off mentally and it can, you'll, you will not perform the way that you're working out just based yeah. off of your, based off of your so mentally. Yeah. So I'm glad you're like, I'm glad, you know, you're bringing this up because I think, you know, this is a very important topic, right? Yeah. So for you mentally, what are some of the things that you do in your life to help you stay focused to keep you locked in and to make sure that you're not getting distracted? Um, one thing that I try to do is I try to write some goals down and it's not like something that I put on a calendar, like an everyday thing, but like I have goals for the year, for the season, I guess you can say, and Mm -hmm. I'll write them down and I'll keep them on my fridge or something like that, or in an area where I can just read them casually (laughs) so they don't Mm -hmm. get lost. (laughs) What that does is like, even on those days where it's like, it's cold or it's rainy or like I feel beat up or I just don't feel like doing it. You know what I mean? I look at that list that I wrote of goals and aspirations. And I think to myself, like, no, you know what you got to do to accomplish your goals. So you Mm got to, even though you, you don't have to do it or like nobody's watching, you can get away with not going out and doing your second run, whatever it is, or can go, eat like Chick-fil-A for like three weeks in a row. That was a problem that I had to, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, um, I don't do that stuff. Like uh, those goals that I write down, help me remember like why I'm here, what my purpose is. Um, mentally, I feel like I always, um, I just try to be honest with myself. Like I, I try to make sure I don't get burnt out. I try to listen to my body. Yeah. Um, 
after running, I think like, it's very good to distract yourself. Like I don't just focus on like competition all the time. I think like once I do the stuff I need to do to be great, like after training and stuff, putting the work in recovery and everything, I think it's actually Mm -hmm. good to take a step back from running and just like do something you enjoy. Like I'm a big movie guy. So like, I love watching movies or, uh, FaceTiming my friends is a big thing that I've been into right now. So, um, it's just like the little stuff like that, that makes me feel, um, I guess fulfilled in life where, and I mean, that stuff is just so little, like those are like little small examples. It's it's hard for me to kind of figure out what I do because it sometimes changes, but, um, you got to make sure that you keep a balance, I guess you can say, and not yourself out on one end. And I think everything that you just touched on right now is very important. And it's definitely a message that I talk about a lot, even on this podcast too, about just that self-awareness. Like you have to know, right? And I think a lot of times, and you're an athlete, especially, so you'll notice sometimes your body will tell you certain things. You just have to really listen to it and pick up on it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I, I think the real challenge is those days when it's, you don't feel like doing it. I think that's where the growth comes in. Okay. I don't feel like doing this and I have every reason to not do it, Yeah, but I'm going to do it anyway. Exactly. I think, I think that's where the gains and that's where the growth comes in. And I, because now you're, you're forcing yourself not to succumb. Yeah. So I guess your lower self, exactly. if that makes sense. And honestly, like I, I had this conversation with someone else that was interviewing me and mm-hmm. I told them like the hardest part about anything anything in life, like whether it's sports or whatever is just getting started. You will be working yourself up and like nervous or what have you. And like the hardest part is just getting started. But that moment that you just go out and do what you're supposed to do, or, you know, you have to do once you actually get started, it only goes up Mm -hmm. from there. And like, yeah, something that anybody can relate to, like the winters in Canada are, you know, they they suck. And yeah, (laughs) And, um, you know, when I'm home for Christmas break and everything, I, I run outside, I don't run on a treadmill or anything. And mm-hmm. for me, like I wake up sometimes, sometimes I wake up at six 30. Sometimes I wake up at seven, either way. I just wake up in the morning and it's so yeah. hard for me. Like I look out the window and I'm like, it snowed again. Yeah. And it sucks because like, it's cold outside. It's sometimes wet. Um, you know, I don't, I don't feel like going out there and slipping around in the snow because like nobody shoveled yet, but I know at the end of the day, like I got to go get this work done and mm-hmm. you can either drag it out and like, you know, wake up and then start running at nine, or you can just get out the door right now and just get it over with. And like, I feel mm-hmm. like that mentality has helped me so much this year to just continue to grow into the person I am right now. Thank you guys for listening to part one. Part two will be coming next week. As always, be sure to listen, share, and subscribe. Till next time.